Welcome to the vocabulary lesson for obsessive behavior. Let's get started. In the headline, uh, we see the title, Parents Deny Probable Cause of Son's Obsessive Behavior. To deny is to say something is wrong or you don't believe it. So if you deny the cause, it means you won't listen to the cause or you say the cause is wrong. It's not, that's not the cause, that's not the cause. You're denying it. You're saying, no, it's not true. No, it's not true. That's to deny, to deny. Okay, and then probable means uh, probable cause. You probably know probably, right? That's an adverb, probably. But probable is the adjective. So probable cause means the likely cause. It means it's not 100%, but maybe, you know, 90%. We're sure 90% that this is the cause. Okay, and then what are we talking about? The cause of what? We're talking about the cause of their son's obsessive behavior. So behavior is how you act. Obsessive. Obsessive is to do something too much. You focus on only one thing. Now, it can be a verb, to obsess. To obsess yeah, it means you focus on one thing and you think about it all the time. Uh, for example, if I obsess about uh, studying English, it means every day I think about English, English, English. I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about English. Must study English, must study English. At lunchtime, I'm thinking about English, must study English, must study English. You only think about this. That's the verb to obsess. If you use it as an adjective, we use it, we say obsessive. So obsessive behavior means doing something all the time. Uh, for example, somebody washes their hands a lot. Like every five minutes, they wash their hands. And then they touch something on a desk. They wash their hands again. Then they touch a person. They wash their hands again. They're washing their hands, washing their hands all the time. This is obsessive behavior. It's doing one thing too much or all the time. Okay, and then in the uh, first paragraph of the uh, letter, we say uh, that a woman says that her nephew has problems with obsessive hand washing. That's what I just described. Obsessive hand washing means you wash your hands all the time, much too much. You're always doing it again and again and again and again. Obsessive hand washing. Nephew, what's a nephew? A nephew is your sister's son or your brother's son. That's a nephew. Okay, so this nephew, he has obsessive hand washing. He washes his hands much too much. And then in the, uh, she says, I think he needs professional help. He needs uh, somebody to help him. I suspect means I think in this case. She strongly suspects that he suffers from obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. To suspect means to think. It means you're not sure, but you think probably this is happening. And obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, it's a kind of a mental illness, mental sickness, where you, you uh, constantly always do something again and again and again. Hand washing is a common example. But you're always thinking about one thing and doing one thing. Maybe this kid thinks about cleanliness always wants to be clean, and he always washes his hands. So if you do that too much, if it's really, really, really 
too much all the time, if it's kind of crazy, then we might say the person has obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. All right, and then she said her brother and his wife refuse to believe their child has a problem. So again, refuse is a little bit like deny. Refuse means to say no, to say no to something. Usually when you refuse, it's because of a request. You say, I won't do something, right? Somebody wants you to do something, but you won't do it. You say, no, I won't do it. That's refuse. You refuse to do it. In this case, they refuse to believe. So we usually refuse to do something, refuse to think something, refuse to believe something. All right, so you deny a situation. You deny information, but you refuse an action. That's how they're different. All right, and then in the next sentence, she says, My nephew's hands are chafed and raw. Chafed means uh, very rough. It means if you rub your hands together, right? You're rubbing your hands together very fast. Together, together, rubbing together. If you do that a very, very long time, your hands will start to hurt, right? Your hands become red. Maybe they get a crack. Maybe they uh, start to bleed, right? It's very, it's, it becomes painful if you do it too long. Well, that's called chafed, chafed. It means uh, your skin is hurt from rubbing, from moving against something else. So it's, it's, it's not like, like scratched. It's similar to scratched, but scratched is usually like one line, right? Scratched with a, uh, with a knife, scratched with scissors. It's one thin line. Chafed usually is a larger area, like a, a, a bigger area, like all of your hands can be chafed or part of your legs can be chafed. It's rubbing against your pants maybe and rubbing, rubbing, rubbing. The skin becomes red. The skin hurts a little bit. That's We call that chafed. And sometimes we'll say the skin is raw. The skin is raw in this situation. Uh, and that, again, that also means the skin is very red and painful. So chafed and raw are quite similar. Okay, and then she says that uh, the boy's parents reprimand him for his behavior when he really needs help. To reprimand, to reprimand is, is a little bit like criticizing, but it's a little different. When someone does something wrong, you reprimand them. So to reprimand means to tell somebody they did something wrong. So you say, stop washing your hands so much. That's bad. Okay, I reprimanded him. Or maybe you steal money, and then I tell you, that's bad. You stole the money. You should not do that. Okay, I am reprimanding you. Reprimanding is different than punish. Punishing is you actually do something to the person. But reprimand or to reprimand just means you say something, okay? It's only talking. So that's how reprimand and punishment are different. All right, and then finally, um, last paragraph, she says, his mother's the biggest problem. She nixes all issues that suggest a problem, and my brother will not stand up to her. Okay, to nix, N-I-X, to nix something. To nix means to, um, it's kind of like to uh, destroy it, or eliminate it, or get rid of it. Um, 
And usually it means somebody makes a suggestion and then you shoot the suggestion, right? We sometimes say shoot it down. You, uh, you immediately you say, no, this is not true. No, we will not do it. Okay, you are nixing the idea. You are nixing the suggestion. You're immediately saying no and denying it and refusing to do it. That's to nix. So when it says she nixes all issues that suggest a problem, it means she immediately and quickly says no anytime somebody says their son has a problem. So they say, look, I think your son might have a problem. Immediately she says, no, he does not have a problem. Absolutely not. There is no problem. Okay, that's to nix, to immediately deny something, to immediately say no to any suggestion. Okay, and finally, uh, she says, her brother will not stand up to his wife. To stand up to is a common phrase in English. To stand up to means to go against somebody, uh, maybe argue with them, maybe fight them. But it means you will not be bullied. You won't let somebody else um, push you around or uh, make you do something. You, if you stand up to someone, it means somebody else is strong, but you will go against them. You will disagree. You will tell them they're wrong. That's to stand up to somebody. And we sometimes use it in the negative. If you say, he won't stand up to his wife, it means he always says yes to his wife. If his wife says, uh, wash the dishes now, he will say, yes, yes, okay. And if she says, uh, take out the garbage, he says, yes, yes, okay. And if she says, you're stupid, you're, you're ugly, he will say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right? He won't stand up to her. He won't go against her. He won't argue with her. He won't fight with her. If he does fight with her, if she says, you're ugly and stupid, and then he says, don't call me ugly and stupid. Don't ever say that again, damn it. Okay, now he is standing up to her, right? And you, have, you can picture it in your head. To stand up to someone means you stand tall against them. If they, they're yelling at you, if you, if you sit down and you put your head down, right, it means you're very weak. But if you stand tall face to face, then you're, you're also strong. So to stand up to someone it means be strong against somebody else. All right, that is all the vocabulary for this lesson. Move on to the mini story. Thanks. Okay, welcome to the mini story. For the obsessive behavior lesson, let's get started. Kathy always obsesses about English. She constantly worries about taking the TOEFL test. When she worries, she always rubs her hands together. They are always chafed. Her friend, Gabriel, is the opposite. He always opts to remain relaxed. He always reprimands Kathy. Kathy, stop obsessing about English, damn it! Kathy never stands up to Gabriel directly. She just says, I'm sorry, please don't be mad. Then she says, um, but uh, let's go to the library now and study English, please. Gabriel always nixes this idea. Hell no, we're not studying English! Kathy feels unsettled, but she says, hesitantly, uh, uh, okay. However, in her head, 
she silently starts to review English grammar. Then she feels much better. Okay, again, this time with questions. Back to the top. Kathy always obsesses about English. Does she think about English all the time? Yes, that's right. She always thinks about English. Uh, does she think about English in the morning? Yeah, that's right. She always obsesses about English in the morning. Does she think about English during the day? Yes, that's right. She's obsessing about English, right? Always obsesses about English. So she thinks about English in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, before she goes to sleep. She obsesses about English. Does she obsess about French? No, no, no. She doesn't care about French. She doesn't always think about French. She obsesses about English. Who always obsesses about English? Well, Kathy always obsesses about English. Does Gabriel always obsess about English? No, no. Gabriel doesn't always obsess about English. Kathy always obsesses about English. She constantly worries about taking the TOEFL test. Does she obsess about the TOEFL test? Yes, yes, she's always obsessed with the TOEFL test. She always obsesses about the TOEFL test. When she worries, she always rubs her hands together. Right? She's always rubbing her hands together when she worries about English, when she obsesses about English. Because she always rubs her hands together, they are always chafed. Are her hands always red? Yes, that's right. Her hands are always chafed. The skin is always red. Is the skin always a little painful? Yeah, that's right. Her hands are always chafed. So her hands are always a little painful. The skin is painful. The skin is a little bit red. Why are her hands always chafed? Well, they're always chafed because she rubs them together when she worries, when she worries about English. Are they chafed because she washes her hands too much? No, no, that's not why they're chafed. Her hands are not chafed because she washes her hands too much. They're chafed because she rubs her hands together too much. They're chafed because she rubs her hands together. That's why they're red and painful. Now, her friend Gabriel is the opposite. He always opts to remain relaxed. Does he choose to remain relaxed? Yeah, that's right. He opts to be relaxed. He chooses to be relaxed. To opt to means to choose. Now, we usually use opt to with an action. Opt to run. Opt to go shopping. Opt to stay relaxed. It goes with a verb. If you're choosing two things, if you have a red phone and a blue phone, you don't say, I opt the red phone. You might say, I opt for the red phone. If you say that, then it's, it's okay. But usually we use it with, with verbs. You opt to do something. I opt to buy the red phone. We would say that. That would be okay. So he opts to stay relaxed. Does Kathy opt to stay relaxed? Does she choose to be relaxed? 
No, Kathy does not opt to stay relaxed. She always opts to be worried. She always obsesses about English. But Gabriel opts to remain relaxed. He chooses to remain relaxed. And he always reprimands Kathy. Does he criticize Kathy's obsession? Obsession's a noun. Does he criticize Kathy's obsession, Kathy's worrying? Yeah, that's right. He reprimands Kathy. Does he tell her she's wrong, that she's doing something bad? Yeah, that's right. He reprimands Kathy. He tells her, stop obsessing about English. Damn it. Right? He reprimands her. He criticizes her and tells her she's doing something wrong. Does Gabriel reprimand his mother? No, no. Gabriel does not reprimand his mother. Who does Gabriel reprimand? Gabriel reprimands Kathy. Why does he reprimand Kathy? Well, he reprimands Kathy because she worries about English too much. She obsesses about English. Does he reprimand Kathy all the time? Well, no, he doesn't reprimand Kathy all the time. When does he reprimand Kathy? Well, he reprimands Kathy when she talks about English, when she wants to study English, and when she rubs her hands together. Then he reprimands her. How does he reprimand her? What does he say? Well, he reprimands her by saying, Kathy, stop obsessing about English, damn it. But Kathy never stands up to Gabriel. Does Kathy argue with Gabriel? No, no, she does not stand up to Gabriel. Does she disagree with Gabriel directly? No, no, she never says something to him. She never disagrees. She never argues. She does not stand up to Gabriel. Does Kathy stand up to other people? Well, we don't know. Maybe she stands up to other people. Maybe she will argue with her mom or her other friends. But she won't stand up to Gabriel. When Gabriel reprimands her, does she stand up to him? No, she doesn't. She does not stand up to Gabriel. He says, stop obsessing about English. Well, she doesn't argue with him. What does she say? Since she doesn't stand up to him, she just says, I'm sorry. Please don't be mad. But then later she says, um, but um, let's go to the library now and study English, please. Gabriel gets angry. He always nixes this idea. Does Gabriel agree with the idea? No, no, he nixes the idea, right? He shoots the idea down. He destroys the idea. He immediately says no. He says, no, we are not studying English. He nixes the idea. Does he nix all of Kathy's ideas? No, 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 he doesn't nix all of Kathy's ideas. He only nixes her idea to study English. When she wants to study English, he always nixes the idea. He always says no immediately. No, we're not studying English. Does Gabriel nix Bob's idea? No, 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 he doesn't nix Bob's idea. He nixes Kathy's idea, right? Gabriel nixes Kathy's idea, not Bob's idea.
And when he nixes her idea, what does he say? Well, Gabriel always nixes the idea and says, hell no, we're not studying English. How does Kathy feel when this happens? Well, Kathy feels unsettled, right? She feels a little strange, a little uncomfortable. Does she feel very, very, very upset? No, she doesn't. She feels just unsettled, a little upset. And then when she feels unsettled, she says, hesitantly, uh, okay, um, it's okay. However, in her head, silently in her head, she is thinking about grammar, and she is reviewing English grammar. Then she feels much better. When she says okay, does she say it strongly and quickly? No, 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 she does not. She says it hesitantly. She stops and she starts. She's not sure. She says, uh, 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 oh, okay. She says it hesitantly, right? When Kathy says, okay, she does not say it directly. She says it very, very hesitantly. What does she say hesitantly? Well, she says, uh, okay, hesitantly. All right. So let's go back to the top again. And this time I'm going to pause after key phrases. Please copy my pronunciation. Remember, this is not just repeating words. Repeating words does not help. You need to copy my pronunciation. When I go up, you should go up. When I go down, you should go down. Copy my intonation very carefully. Okay, let's go to the top. Here we go. Kathy always obsesses about English. Good. Kathy always obsesses about English. She constantly worries about taking the TOEFL test. When she worries, she always rubs her hands together. They are always chafed. Good. They are always chafed. Her friend Gabriel is the opposite. He always opts to remain relaxed. He always opts to remain relaxed. Good. He always reprimands Kathy. He always reprimands Kathy. He says, stop obsessing about English, damn it. He says, stop obsessing about English, damn it. Good. Kathy never stands up to Gabriel. Kathy never stands up to Gabriel. She just says, I'm sorry. Don't be mad. Then she says, but um, let's go to the library now and study English, please. Gabriel always nixes this idea. Gabriel always nixes this idea. He says, hell no, we're not studying English. Kathy feels unsettled. Kathy feels unsettled. But she says, hesitantly, uh, okay. But she says, hesitantly, uh, okay. However, 
in her head, quietly, she starts to review English grammar. Then she feels much better. Okay, that is all for this mini-story. Please pause now and try to tell all of the story yourself. Say it out loud, not silently. Say it out loud. Speak it out loud. Try to tell all of the story using the new vocabulary and also using the correct pronunciation, the correct intonation. If this is difficult, if you cannot do it, no problem. Just listen again. Listen again. Listen again. Listening is most important. Okay, good luck. On to the point of view mini-stories. Bye-bye. Okay, welcome to the point of view mini-stories for obsessive behavior. Let's get started. Same story, now with three different versions. The first version, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, there was a woman named Kathy. Kathy always obsessed about English. She constantly worried about taking the TOEFL test. When she worried, she always rubbed her hands together. They were always chafed. Her friend Gabriel was the opposite. He always opted to remain relaxed. He always reprimanded Kathy and said, Kathy, stop obsessing about English, damn it. Kathy never stood up to Gabriel. She just said, I'm sorry, don't be mad. Then she said, but uh, let's go to the library now and study English, please. Gabriel always nixed this idea. He'd say, hell no, we're not studying English. Kathy felt unsettled, but she said hesitantly, um, okay. However, in her mind, she would silently start to review English grammar. Then she always felt much better. All right, let's do the next version. The next version will start with since last year. Okay? Okay, there's a woman named Kathy. Since last year, she has obsessed about English. She has constantly worried about taking the TOEFL test. When she's worried, she has always rubbed her hands together. They have been chafed every day since last year. Her friend Gabriel has been the opposite. He has always opted to remain relaxed. He has reprimanded Kathy every time she worries and has said, Stop obsessing about English, damn it! Kathy has never stood up to Gabriel. She has always said, I'm sorry, don't be mad at me. Then she's always said, but um, let's go to the library now and study English, please. Gabriel has always nixed this idea. He's always said, hell no, we're not studying English. And Kathy has always felt unsettled. And she's always said, hesitantly, uh, okay. However, in her head, she has started to review English grammar every time. Then she has always felt much better. Okay, now did you notice I used the word always a lot in that version? Always, always, always. Why? Why did I always say always? Well, it's because I'm talking about something that started in the past and has continued until now. So I want to say always because I want to I make clear that I'm not talking about one specific time, right? I, I have a conversation here, 
um, Kathy, stop obsessing about English, damn it. Right? They, she, he says this. She says that. Well, if this only happened one time in the past, we would use the simple past. Right? I would say, Gabriel said, stop obsessing about English. Kathy said, I'm sorry. But this is a conversation that has happened many times. They always have the same conversation since last year. So 10 months ago, they would have this conversation. And then five months ago, they would use the same conversation again, right? So always, almost every day, starting one year ago until now, they're always having the same conversation. So that's why I say has said, has always said. Always makes it more clear that it's not something that happened one time, that it's happening repeatedly, has happened repeatedly, starting last year until now. If it was only one time, it would be the past tense. But since it has happened many times, starting last year until now, then we can say has said, has said, has done, etc. Okay, last version begins with next year. There's a girl named Kathy. Next year, she will always obsess about English because next year she has to take the TOEFL test. Now, when she'll worry, she'll always rub her hands together. They're always going to be chafed. Her friend Gabriel will be the opposite. He'll always opt to remain relaxed. He'll always reprimand Kathy and say, Kathy, stop obsessing about English, damn it. Kathy will never stand up to Gabriel. She'll just say, I'm sorry, don't be mad. Then she'll say, but uh, let's go to the library now and study English, please. Gabriel will always nix this idea. He'll always say, hell no, we're not studying English. Kathy will feel unsettled, but she'll say hesitantly, Oh, okay. However, in her mind, she'll silently begin to review English grammar. Then she'll feel much better. Okay, those are our three versions. Uh, please pause now. Try to tell each version. So, 20 years ago, since last year, and next year, three versions. If you can't do it, it's okay. Listen to one version again. Listen many times, then pause, try to tell that version, and then do it again with the second version, and then again with the third one. Just listen, listen, listen. Listening is the most important thing. Do not become worried and stressed about perfect grammar. Don't obsess about grammar. Don't be like Kathy, right? Don't obsess about correctness. Don't obsess about being perfect. That is not the purpose of this lesson. Listening is the number one thing you should do. If you feel relaxed, then okay, pause and try to tell each version yourself. If you feel stressed, don't do that, just listen. Okay, that's all. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Parents deny probable cause of son's obsessive behavior. Dear Abby, my nephew, Vincent, is 16 and has had problems with obsessive hand washing for years. I have enough professional experience to strongly suspect that he suffers from obsessive compulsive disorder.
OCD. My brother and his wife refuse to believe their child has a problem and will not take him to get help. My nephew's hands are chafed and raw, and his parents reprimand him for this behavior when he really needs professional help. His mother is the biggest problem. She nixes all issues that suggest a problem, and my brother will not stand up to her. What can I do? Signed, Worried Aunt in Florida. Hi, welcome to the commentary for Obsessive Behavior. And this is an interesting little Dear Abby um, letter, quite short. In fact, you know, I was thinking about our, the different levels of our members. Uh, some of you, most of you are advanced learners. Uh, you have to be advanced just to uh, read my homepage in my newsletter and understand it. So most of you are advanced. Probably Dear Abby is pretty easy for you. But some of you uh, are at a lower level. I would say probably an intermediate level. And for you, I think the Dear Abby lessons are much better. The article lessons, the main articles, can be very difficult um, for some people, uh, especially for intermediate level um, learners. And some of you have complained to me, in fact, that, you know, AJ, these articles are much too difficult for me. Um, if that's the case, if that's true, I recommend focusing on the Dear Abby lessons and the pronunciation lessons instead. They're easier and they're shorter. So even if it is a little bit difficult, there's still not so much new language to learn uh, like the articles can possibly be. So for the intermediate level members, I recommend focus on Dear Abby. It's a great level for you. And for the advanced learners, I recommend also using Dear Abby, but in a different way. Uh, you'll still learn some new phrases, uh, especially casual English phrases. Um, but you can also use it to really go deeply with some things that you may already know. Um, focus on the mini-stories and the point-of-view mini-stories and really get this to go deeply by listening again and again and again many, many times. You all know the past tense, for example. However, when you speak, many of you may make mistakes with the past tense. You may s use the present tense when you should use the past. Uh, I know many of my San Francisco students do this. Now, if I give them a test, they will all do very well on the past tense. Yet, when we actually speak, they don't use it. What's the problem here? Well, the problem is knowing and doing are totally different. Knowing is a left brain activity. It's a analytical activity. It means you analyze, you break it apart, you think about it. That's one kind of knowledge. But using a language, being able to uh, speak English fluently, is a different kind of knowledge. It's more like uh, playing a sport. Okay, You can know about basketball. You can study basketball. It does not mean you can actually play basketball, right? Studying basketball and playing basketball are totally different. Well, it's the same thing with English. Studying about English, learning the rules, conjugating verbs, taking tests, that is totally different than using English, speaking English fluently, understanding quickly, speaking quickly and correctly. Totally different than studying the grammar and taking the tests. This is why I think that obsessive test-taking and obsessing about English in general is very, very bad. 
I have a lot of students in San Francisco, for example, who obsess about the TOEFL test. That's why my little mini story, it's kind of a joke uh, about those students. Um, not a mean joke, it's a nice joke. <laughs> but um, it's true. There are a lot of students like this. In Japan, oh my god, so many students like this. They're, they're focused on the TOEIC or the TOEFL or the uh, university uh, exam or a grad school exam, but it's always a test. They, a lot of the people don't seem to care about actually learning English and using it uh, or about countries that speak English, America or Australia or England. Uh, they're not interested in the cultures or the people or communication. It's just this damn test. And they think that if they focus on the test and they do well on the test, that means, ah, now I can use English. Now I can speak English. And they're always very shocked that even if they get a good score on the test, when they actually try to understand uh, Americans, for example, they can't. They can't. So many students uh, come here to San Francisco. They have a good TOEFL exam. They go on the, to the street, and they someone chats with them, talks with them at a bus stop. And they're confused, and they don't know what they're saying. And when they try to talk, they speak very slowly. They can't remember. They're trying to conjugate verbs and translate. Their pronunciation is terrible. And Americans don't understand them. They try to say something, and Americans are confused. What? Huh? What? Huh? And that's a terrible feeling. I know. I, I, I had that feeling in Thailand. I would try to use Thai. People could not understand me. I became very upset and frustrated. So you have to separate these ideas. Uh, they're, they're different. This idea of studying English, learning the rules, memorizing the grammar, and taking tests. That's one thing. And then the other thing is speaking English fluently, using it correctly, knowing the grammar deep down, feeling what is correct. Feeling, not knowing, feeling when something sounds correct and when it sounds wrong. Speaking with good pronunciation. Speaking without translating. Now that is a different kind of knowledge. It's a skill. And they don't mix very much. Uh, the test-taking, analyzing, memorizing part. It's, it's good if you want to you know, get a PhD and talk about English in your own language. Um, but it's not very good if you actually want to use English. So you've got to focus on using English. And if you want to use English well, just do not obsess about tests. The students who obsess about the TOEFL exam, for example, they're always my worst students. I mean, 95% of the time, when I have a student who is obsessed about, obsessed is kind of the emotion, or I can use it as a verb, to obsess. So if I have a student who obsesses, using it as a verb, who obsesses about the TOEFL exam, for example, they're um, I, I know they're probably going to be quite low. And I also know they're going to learn very slowly. Because if they obsess about the test, that's all they will focus on. And when they obsess about the test, it makes them use different kinds of study methods. What do they do? Well, they study grammar, so much grammar. Grammar books, grammar books, grammar books. What else do they do? They go buy those TOEFL test books 
and they take practice TOEFL tests again and again and again. And that's all they do. And that's not natural English, and it's a terrible way to learn a language in general, any language. So, in fact, their TOEFL scores do not improve a lot. Their general speaking ability does not improve at all, usually. Um, and then what else happens? I have another person in my class who just really interested in American culture. They really like being here, and they really want to meet people, and they're excited, and wow, English is interesting, and oh, I love English movies, and oh, American books and are, are really kind of cool, and uh, oh, they like uh, certain movies and music and culture and blah, blah, blah. Those people learn very quickly. They learn fast. Why? Well, number one, they're, they, they're listening a lot. They're listening to American movies all the time. They're making American friends, so they're listening to Americans speak English constantly. These people usually study on their own in a different way. They listen to podcasts. Um, they listen to these kinds of lessons on Effortless English. Um, they listen to TV shows. That's how they study. The funny thing is that these people <laughs> also improve on their TOEFL exams, and they improve faster than the people who are obsessed with the TOEFL. And that makes the TOEFL people so frustrated and angry sometimes, right? They're, here they are, they're studying the TOEFL exam, they're focused on the TOEFL, they're obsessed with the TOEFL, 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 TOEFL. And somebody else is having fun, and the person who has fun improves faster, and they get a better TOEFL score. And oh, it, oh they get so upset, some of these students. Um, and they come to me, AJ, oh, my TOEFL, I took it again, and it didn't improve very much. Why am I not getting better? And Seiko over here, she's having fun and making friends and just listening to movies and podcasts. And she did better than me. I don't understand. And then I tell them, well, you know, I try to explain the effortless English method. I try to explain research. But unfortunately, these students, um, they're, they obsess so much. They're so obsessed with the exam. They can't hear me. They will. Uh, it's frustrating for me. I try to tell them, you know, please study in a different way. Learn in a different way. You, you will have more fun, your speaking will improve, and you will even do better on the TOEFL exam than you are now. But they don't listen. Uh, I mean, the students who are really obsessed about exams, they will not lessen, listen. It's like, a, it's like a mental disease. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like some kind of craziness. Uh, they're so obsessed, it's all they can think about. So I tell them, try the other method. Try Seiko's method. It's working for her. But they won't listen. They'll say, yeah, okay, okay. And the next day I see them, they have their TOEFL exam book, and they're studying the grammar again. And then two months later, they take the TOEFL exam, and oh, no, I, I didn't improve very much. Oh, they come back to me. AJ, what should I do? It's the same conversation every time. I have this one student who's uh, Korean who has been doing this for over one year over one year, obsessed with the TOEFL exam, takes the test, does not improve enough, comes back to me, 
complains, AJ, my TOEFL's not good enough. What should I do? Every time I tell her, well, you should listen to podcasts. You should read interesting books that you like for fun. Uh, you know, all the effortless English methods that you know. I tell her, do this. It will help you. Trust me. And every time she says, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then she ignores me. And she uses the same method again. I see her using her TOEFL book, studying grammar. And then two months later, she takes the TOEFL test again. And then, oh, God, AJ, my TOEFL test it didn't go up enough. I didn't improve very much. What should I do? What's wrong? I mean, again and again. This has been happening for one year, and she still will not change her methods. And this is really a form of insanity, of craziness. When you keep doing the same thing, and you keep getting a bad result, and you, you keep using the same method, and you think, maybe this time, my result will be different. But again, you get the same result. <laughs> it, it, it's a kind of craziness. Um, so, I, And I don't know why, but these exams, these tests, can sometimes make people crazy like this. So my advice to you, if you need the TOEFL exam, you know, it's okay. Some of you need it. Some of you want to study uh, grad school in America, for example. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But don't obsess about the test. It will hurt you. You will learn more slowly if you do that. Use the effortless English methods. I guarantee you will learn faster than people who are taking TOEFL classes and studying TOEFL books. Your TOEFL, your TOEFL scores will improve better and more and faster than the people who are studying the TOEFL test. I promise you. This is not just my opinion. Uh, there's a, a lot of research about this. Uh, the people who focus on the test actually do worse on the test. The people who use effortless methods also do better on tests like the TOEFL exam or the TOEIC. So, you know, you have more fun. You learn faster, you do better on the tests, your pronunciation is better, you become more fluent. Everything is better if you use an effortless system. So don't obsess about these tests, please. Put your TOEFL books to the side, put away your grammar books, use an effortless method, and you will do much better. All right, there's your another pep talk for today, I guess. That's the end of the commentary for obsessive behavior. I'll see you on the next lesson. Bye-bye.